0: Hello and welcome to the NCA podcast. I am Jill Annable, the Senior Vice President of Programs here at NCEA. We're so glad you are joining us today. I have with me a dear friend and now colleague. Um, Colleen McCoy-Sica, Sika, is the new Director of Professional Learning here at NCEA. Colleen, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Jill. It's such a
1: pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: This is going to be great. So, um, Colleen joined our team this fall and she's going to be working in programs with me for a number of projects ahead of us. And many of our listeners know Colleen for a variety of projects, so I want to start first and just open it up to you sharing with us your background a bit in Catholic education.
1: So my background in Catholic education really goes back, I, I like to mention to people that I was a student in Catholic schools for 14 years, and so what I know of Catholic education is not only from my career, but truly from my, from my whole life. So I became a Catholic school teacher after college, and I, I actually worked one year in public school, and that was how I knew I did not belong in public school, to be honest with you. It was just, um, I think there's a culture that it just, it just didn't work for me, and so I've been in Catholic education ever since. So I taught junior high in high school, in Catholic schools in Indiana, and then I became a Catholic school principal and I worked in elementary and high school, and then I became an assistant superintendent and did that for uh, for about six years and led initiatives and curriculum and inclusion and so many so many different areas, principal mentorships, so many different things I got to do as a assistant superintendent. And so that has brought me the last couple of years. I've I've actually worked in a little bit different area. Um, more of a development and communications role. Um, Arizona has a fantastic school choice program for uh, tax credit scholarships for students. And so I've been working in that arena for the last couple of years. And so that's really rounded out my experience in Catholic education. And now it is, it's my honor and my pleasure to join the NCEA team.
0: This is great. And I, we want to make sure we give a shout out to the diocese that you um, had previously been in. So remind us where you were for those leadership positions in, and in teaching.
1: So I taught in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. And I was a principal in the Diocese of Cary And I was assistant superintendent where... I, I, live now in Phoenix, Arizona. So Diocese of Phoenix is where I worked in both school choice and assistant superintendent.
0: That's great. So one, one question we get as we jump into calls now, as the NCA team is, is virtually and, and working remotely, is where are you in the country? And so uh, we're happy that Colleen is in a different diocese from all of us spread out um, throughout our membership, which is, uh, which is just a great gift. It's so great to see that. Um, OK, so let's talk a bit about how, because Colleen's going to be doing some of our programs uh, specific to New Leaders, so New Leaders Academy which is for principals and school leaders that began on October 4th and then also our new superintendent Academy, which launches at the, um, also in October. Um, but in association with the, um, CLS with Catholic leadership summit. And so, um, I am curious, Colleen, how were you, um, formally or informally prepared and ready for your leadership positions?
1: That's a, that's a good question because even though we go through teacher school and we go through administrator school and we learn all of those things that we need to know to be formally prepared, what we really learn about our roles truly, I think, is by observation and by being with the people that we that we learn that we learn from that we observe and, and see what. Good leadership is so i i went to uh, i went to illinois state for my undergrad which was uh, which was english education and music and so i taught english for a while and while i was a teacher i was often sought out to jump into leadership positions so whether it was uh colleen i'd like you to lead The the student discipline team, Colleen, uh, how would you like to be the department chair? There was always something that I was invited into to lead. And from there, I was encouraged to learn, um, to learn more about leadership formally and work on my administrative certificate. And I resisted that for a while because I really never wanted to be in administration, but because I had been called into leadership so many times i i ended up going that way when i was ready to go back to school for a masters so i actually got at least i got a masters degree in curriculum and instruction i'm extremely passionate about leading curriculum teams and that again that's just something that i learned from being on teams with people revising curriculum um uh creating creating Units and the, the, the leeway that we get in Catholic education to develop our, our curriculum and our content really gave me, uh, you know, a lot of passion about curriculum and instruction. So I actually got a, a master's degree in curriculum and instruction, and then continued on and worked on uh, my educational leadership certification at the University of Indianapolis. And, you know, from there, it, it was always working with mentors. They, you know, they would always Link us up with administrators in different schools. And so I worked with, uh, you know, just different people, superintendents, assistant superintendents, principals, um, just to, to observe them, to learn from them. And then, of course, there were my own bosses who you learn from your own bosses how to lead well and the things not to do. And so always in my mind, there was a list of the things not to do and so I thought that when I jumped into being a principal, I had it all figured out, but once you get on the job, and I, this is something I'll be excited to talk about, to talk with the new leaders about, because I never got the opportunity to be an assistant principal. I jumped right into being a principal, and so I didn't have that um, opportunity for somebody to kind of walk me through, uh, well, when you come up to the next level, these are the things you want to be aware of. and. Yeah, so I, I kind of muddled through my first year as a principal just in the same way that people often muddle through being a first year teacher. Uh, it was that kind of the growing pains. I had all the, the formal education and I'd been observing leadership for years and, and dipping my toe in leadership for years. But once, once the, the world is on your shoulders and you and the buck stops with you and you are in charge, uh, your view you shifts a little bit and, and you have to be more mindful of of the uh, the decisions that you're making and how you're impacting people and all of that and so I learned quite a bit of that very humbly on the job uh receiving you know positive and constructive feedback on how I could do be leadership better so um I'm being really kind to to myself right now in that um it, it, was, it was challenging first year because I didn't have an official mentor i if I was having a an issue, I, I had to, I was in a very small diocese, so I would have to call the superintendent, um, yeah, can you help me with this? And it, it's not the same as having a, a principal friend that can walk you through things, which eventually I did have those things, but um, it's really important. But formal education, very important to go through all the modules of formal leadership experience, in my opinion, and um, achieve that certification, but the observation, The the micro experiences of of leading in, in different aspects in schools and communities and on committees and things like that, they are all important preparation for when you actually step into the role. And I did get to do all of those things.
0: That's incredible. Oh, that I think it, you know, the question, it did. No, it did. You're good. Um, the one thing that really stood out to me there is that it's a both and it's the formal and the informal. And also, I don't know if you've had these moments of just prayerful, I don't know, acceptance, but also Thanksgiving that the Lord put us in places where we were learning and observing because you draw on that when it's your turn to make the decision. Or to form that committee, or to do that work, uh, we're drawing on our memories and our experiences. And you know, he clearly had a plan for you, and plan for me, and plan for all of us. And it's you know we have to pause and and be grateful in those moments because uh, there was a greater there was a greater design beyond our control for sure.
1: So, so when I was younger. And I became a principal when I was 34. So, you know, at the time, I think I was the a principal in, in the diocese. And when I think about going into that leadership role and thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do to impact the lives of my teachers, of my students, of the families that, you know, that, that now I'm leading. And what I've learned now as, as I've grown a little bit slightly older than 34, um, what I've learned is that actually God place those people in my life it wasn't all about who i was there to influence but there are so many people along the way that taught me so much about what i know now and when i reflect on the mistakes that i made and, and i'm so grateful for the past and i've become much more accepting of, of god's plan it's it really i never would have guessed that this is where i was going to end up because it was never part of my plan but god's plan is so much better it doesn't matter
0: yeah. And who he who he calls to Catholic school leadership is such a unique subset of our population. I've I've yet to meet a Catholic school leader that I didn't learn something from and also enjoy the in, enjoy the company of. It's just it's been a uh, just a great experience. And I think that's what I'm hearing you describe as well. I want to make sure I want to make sure I get to this next question. So you and I met because of the topic of inclusion and because of our dear friend, uh, Dr. Mike Boyle, who is the superintendent in the Diocese of Joliet, Um but tell me about this passion for inclusion and um it led you to being an author for NCA prior to um, arriving as part of our staff but uh, where did that all come from tell us about this passion tell us how this has influenced your work over time and i'm just blessed that that's how we met each other
1: i agree i it's so cool that that's how we met joe um, so I would go back to in in my early teaching years, I was very i was one of those teachers that um you know very college prep focused whether I was teaching sixth graders or you know college or high school sophomores and juniors preparing them for college. my mindset was always that academics was the most important thing that was just my my early mindset as a teacher and um oftentimes with people who are trained. For secondary education you become very much in love with your subject and you forget about the um uh oh, the the formation piece the the child development piece that elementary school teachers are so good at and so focused on it took me a long time to get to that point of looking at my students feel and you know just realizing that they all had such different needs and they all learned so differently and so after after several years of, of uh, uh, prioritizing academics, I, I eventually got to the point of, of prioritizing the needs of, of and truly recognizing the amazing gifts of of all of the different children and the way that they learn and the way they give information back. And they're really, I became fascinated with that. I also had, my, my first child was diagnosed with a communication disorder before he was two years old. So I, he's, you know, he's much older now, he's in high school now, but my, my entire life as a parent has been advocating for my son, who eventually did get an autism diagnosis. So being the parent of a child with a learning disability, particularly in, and you know, actually, I have to, I have to back that up a little bit because he actually does really well in school, and so a lot of his struggles have been Different as as parents of of children with special needs know, it's not always that academic piece, but that also helps me. Just being a parent and having a different perspective really helps me to appreciate children and parents and the needs of families uh, a little bit, a lot differently, I would say. And I I actually do describe that in the introduction of the book too, and how I came around to that. But I when I came to the Diocese of Phoenix. And I could not figure out for the life of me why God brought me here. For so the life of me could not figure it out. And, and I came because I'm along for the ride. I, I am along for, for God's ride. Like, you know, take me where you need me. And so I ended up here and very quickly, very early on in my career here in this diocese, I came across a couple of, of people. I was called into meetings with individuals who are still um, movers and shakers in the inclusion world. And I met them early on, not knowing what they were all about at that time, but the profound influence that they had on me and made me realize that our school here really needed some help and some support and refining of mission when it comes to including all types of learners. And it became, it became a mission, a personal mission for me. And so my superintendent at the time, Meredith no, Mueller, allowed me to take that on and we ended up developing, uh, a, guidebook for the learners in this diocese. I learned so much from my friends in the California dioceses and around the WCEA, and really uh, took took this diocese from a diocese where there were three schools that had any kind of student support personnel uh, available to students with learning challenges, to now more than half of our schools have those people in place. There's so much more emphasis put on professional development for for those um, for those schools and, and encouragement to include all types of students, we just we have to get better at understanding um, that mission is the most important thing. And you know, if a child comes into our school reading you know three years below grade level or that has Down syndrome or a learning spectrum that that doesn't automatically just exclude them from us being able to teach those children. In fact, the structure of those schools and what we're able to provide really makes us often the better for those
0: students.
1: So um, I, I could I could
0: talk about that all day long. So let me, I'll just stop there. <laughs> well, and especially with me. So that, that brings our stories together. So when Mike Boyle um, asked each of us to write a proposal for, and this is where it's just very funny, for NCEA's new Superintendent Academy to be panelists on the topic of inclusion from a diocesan structure um, with him, for the new superintendents. And that was in Jacksonville a few years back. And here we are. So uh, many people in the last year have asked me, well, what is NCA's commitment to inclusion and exceptional learners and serving the needs of all students? Because we've had committees in the past as an organization um, committed to this. And in recent times, with all the transitions and with pandemic and everything, um, that's been on hold. But now I think people can see from, um, from your work now with us and with me here. Um, this is is not a topic that we are going to shy away from. So we are looking forward to future work for uh, anyone at the diocesan level or school level who needs supports um, for their inclusion programs or any any of these moments um, along their journey. Uh, here we are. We're here to serve. So I'm excited by that.
1: And Joe, my, my book wouldn't exist without Mike Boyle either because my book is actually, uh, it, it was kind of an offshoot of where he started his research. So he really is he was a huge influence and inspiration to me too so just a yeah. shout out to to Mike
0: Absolutely. That's good. And then uh, in recent years then, and this is another topic of Colleen's expertise, is on school choice. So as we meet with our colleagues in Salt Lake City for CLS and our virtual attendees at CLS in October, um, she is co-presenting a lightning round with Bruce Hermy on the topic of school choice. Um, you'll also see an article on this topic in Momentum in November from Colleen. Um, so without going into too much, much detail because they will they will see you with this topic in other spaces. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your biggest takeaways in that work in these last couple of years in Arizona or what you're noticing nationally um, for new principals or anyone who's thinking about, well, how do I even enter into this space and what does it mean for my state to be a choice state or not a choice state? Like just, I guess, general advice or any feedback you have from your experiences would be great to share here.
1: Mm-hmm. So when I was a principal in Indiana, I, I wanna say that I was there when the voucher program began. So it was very interesting being on the ground floor of a choice program coming into being and kind of the oh gosh, I, I don't even know. It states are so um unsure at the beginning of, of the legislation of any kind of choice program that comes into being. Well, when I moved here to Arizona Now Arizona has had school choice legislation for 24 years now. So I came into a very well established, in fact I'd say we are second in the country for school choice opportunities. And so I really learned so much more about that and could not believe the opportunity that parents have here to to actually have choice. It's not about, uh, it's not all about, uh, who who has the most financial needs. That's not what school choice is all about here in Arizona. There's financial needs, but there's, uh, there's, there's so much more than that. In fact, we actually have scholarships here for, um, students with disabilities and those who are in the foster care system. It's called a disabled displaced scholarship that you can, uh, so that parents can choose, possibly choose to send their child that has a learning disability to a private school if, if they would like to, if that's the better fit for their child. And so, So much opportunity here so what i what i started learning coming from indiana where things were just getting rolling at that time and coming here where things were so well established well voucher and tax credit programs are they're very different things and so learning really just the differences between choice programs and so now there are more it's more than half of the states that have choice programs and just in this last year alone we've had five states add choice programs and 21 states that had uh, expansion to their programs this has been a huge year for school choice which shouldn't surprise anyone with the excellence that catholic schools have shown during the pandemic being clear front runners in uh, educational excellence and doing what is best for children so no one should be surprised by that what what we should be surprised about is uh, that there are still uh you know 20 something states that do not allow choice for families to be able to choose which schools they want to send their, cho- the, their, their children to so um that's what should be surprising so you know learning about different choice programs is is one place to start learning the difference between the different types of programs and then who advocates for their programs and that most of the time it's parents it's parents and they are they're partnering with educators and they are influencing the policymakers and that's how it goes. So learn who your uh your Catholic conference representatives are and uh learn how you can speak up and be heard about the importance of families to have choice in, in their education. Um, we we've got to move away from this expensive Catholic education experience in, in states that don't have choice opportunities for families. If they cannot afford Catholic education, it's that's not it's not supposed to be just for the elite. We're not even allowed to to create fullness of mission if we're only allowing people who can afford the expensive Catholic education that exists. And there are states where where that's still how it is. So um, my hope is to overcome that eventually.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, this is just the beginning. This is the tip of the iceberg on this topic. And what's great about NCA is that Um, we have sister Dale McDonald who has been working on this topic and all topics, um, from a national point of view on our behalf and on, you know, on behalf of all of our membership. Um, and so she is a wealth of knowledge on our staff and then we have Colleen joining with her experiences. Um, in July we have the law symposium, um, which will be back in person this year, we hope, at the Brown Hotel and, um. And so this is one of those topics that keeps coming up because it's a changing, changing landscape and each state looks different. And NCA is here to support our membership in those conversations at the state and at the national level of advocacy. So, so that's another, I mean, you're kind of a, a jack of all trades, Colleen. So I just appreciate you're coming to us with a lot of experiences that um, can help our membership. Um, you know, just really get a hold of the topics that they need and, um, and grow in their learning to support the work happening at the school level. So this has just been a fun conversation. All right, I have a strange last question for you. So, so Colleen is, um, I've been nervous interviewing her because she has so much experience with podcasting that actually she has interviewed me in the past. So my final question to you, Colleen, is, uh, what advice do you have for those of us who um, subscribe to many podcasts and never get through them, um, about, you know, like how how do Catholic leaders use podcasts to their advantage? And I have a feeling you also might use podcasts to escape from from the hard day. So just tell us about yourself and your uh, podcast listening.
1: So I really enjoy i i just really enjoy everything about podcasts and there are there are different ones that i listen to either for professional development or for entertainment and i would highly recommend that that people have a variety of podcasts that they use for different purposes and so finding being able to find a couple of podcasts where you're consistently learning more about your craft or about yourself or about your leadership skills or Whatever the case may be, um, you know it's funny. Brene Brown is actually one of the podcasts that I listen to. Just, know, um, yeah, she's kind of a more a little more touchy-feely than the than the type of professional development that I normally seek out. But um, you know, having a lot of personal reflection and insight is extremely important in leadership. So that's the reason why I listen to her. So it it depends on what you're, you're looking for and skip around a lot, find a few. So that you don't get bored and see that you're always focused on the same thing. If, if you only want to listen to EdTech podcasts, oh, there's just such a, another world of information out there. So mix them up a little bit, find some things that you like, and um, and try out new podcasts. There's there's just so much to learn. But then also find a podcast that, that's entertaining and, and that helps you escape. And I, you know, especially this is something we can talk about with new leaders is we all get caught up especially in leadership, especially classroom teachers, we get caught up in in the whirlwind. We get caught up in working all the time and our brains are are thinking about the next thing that we're supposed to be doing or uh, what we could have done differently in a conversation or how we're going to handle the meeting that's coming up tomorrow. And if we don't have a way to help our brains escape that, uh, that's actually that's not healthy, and you're probably not sleeping well because of those things, and so, so many other things that cause stress and then make us not be our best selves. So podcasts are a great way to take our mind off of those things and and help us just refocus and, and get a little bit of enjoyment.
0: That's great. And it's also I've enjoyed podcasts, too, because it takes away the visual stimulation. So if, as we're staring at screens all day or in conversations in a large room together all day, it's it's nice to just <laughs> to take in the news or to take in uh, professional development or or escape. Um by listening is is just a a great way to do it. So, and our listeners know that otherwise they wouldn't be listening to our podcast. So I appreciate that. Um, all right, Colleen, it's been a blessing to have this conversation and we're so glad you're here on this team with us. I look forward to our membership, getting to know you this year throughout all of our times and events we'll be at with NCA. Um, so that's all we have for today. Thank you listeners. Thank you, Colleen. Have an enjoyable day.